for anything this evening? Um, what we're going to do this evening is we're going to take just a little bit of a, uh, a break from what our normal lessons have been because I'm not going to be here next Sunday. Um, and so I don't want to start something and then not be here and then pick it back up. And uh, so we're not going to get into the um, Avoiding Confusion series that we've been going through, but we'll get that started back in a couple of weeks. But um, anybody have a, a question or anything you'd like to ask this evening? Any Bible question or anything? I know we haven't done this in a while, so this is your chance. Brother Greg? Where are you at? Sorry. Romans 11. Sorry. Uh Uh-huh. Go ahead. Romans 11, 28. Okay. Yeah, that's a really interesting question. Um, so obviously when you go through uh, Romans uh, 9, 10, 11, dealing with this issue with uh, Israel uh, and um, Israel being God's chosen people, and of course Romans chapter 9 is uh, where a lot of times those that are Calvinists try to go to and say, you see God chose Israel, uh, God chose Uh, Jacob, he didn't have a choice and things like that. And so they try to use that to try to say God chooses people to be saved uh, and people to be damned to hell. So basically nobody has a choice. Um, You know, God's already chosen those people. And so he goes through and talks about um, uh, Israel and how it relates, uh, you know, how Israel is relating to the Gentiles. Really um, interesting thing. Now, so his question is dealing in verse number 28. He says, as concerning the gospel, they, referring to the Jews, the Israelites, right? He says, they are enemies for your sakes, but as touching the election, they are beloved for the Father's sake. Interesting verse, right? So the first part, he says they're enemies in one way, but he says in the next area, they're beloved, how, how are they able to be enemies in one part and beloved in another part? Ms. Donna? Okay, Ms. Donna says, even though they're unbelievers, God still loves them, okay? Which is true, there's no doubt, no doubt about that. Uh, doesn't matter who a person is, uh, you know, doesn't matter if they're Jew or Gentile, uh, if they're lost, God does love them. That's what the whole uh, gospel is about, uh, grace and mercy, okay? Uh, something, something else, Miss Donna? The other Miss Donna? <laughs> okay. 
um, if the Jews would have accepted Jesus as the Messiah, would we be here? That's an interesting question. Now we're really getting deep here. Right? Okay, go ahead. Comment on it. I like it when you guys teach. This is this is the best. This is the best lesson. This is the, this is best. She was asking a question. How can you agree with a question? <laughs> she needs to change it from a from a question to a statement, right? And then you can agree with it. There you go. Right. Yeah. Brother Tom? Okay, that's true. Obviously, the Gentiles still needed Jesus. No doubt about that. Right? Anybody else? What do you think? So let's, let's stick with verse number 28, and then we'll kind of circle back through and, and answer Miss Donna's question as well. Because they really, they, they do kind of tie in together here. So back with verse number 28, he says, As concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sakes. But as touching the election, they are beloved for the Father's sakes. So let's start with the second part of that. Let's start with their beloved for the Father's sake. What is that? What is he referring to there? Why are they beloved for the Father's sake? So let's Okay, so before, before Christ, before the church and all of that, uh, the Israelites were the voice that God was using to, uh, to try to tell people about God, right? Miss Don? I kind of wonder if it was a lowercase f, father being like, you know, father Abraham kind of thing. Like, before the, Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, and, that's, and that's a very important thing to point out because when it says the Father's sake, who is the Father's? It's not talking about God the Father, right? Because it says for the Father's, that's, that's plural, right? If, there, if it's talking about God, there's only one God the Father, right? So this is not going to be plural, right? For the Father's sake. So this is talking about the... Israel's ancestors, the genealogy here, right? They are they are elect for the Father's sake, right? Touching the election, they are beloved for the Father's sake. For, so, for whose sake are they? For whose sake is Israel beloved for? Well, speaking of the fathers, right? Who are the fathers here that he's talking about? What's that? Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, right? You've got, these are, the, these are the fathers of Israel, right? And so he says, for the father's sake, they are beloved, right? Again, notice what he says. As touching the election, they are beloved for the father's sake. Now, again, we have to understand, what does the word election mean? Okay, the, ele- the word election means they're chosen for something, right? Now, 
make sure you don't get election and predestination confused, okay? Their election means I'm chosen for somebody, right? Have you ever been on a, um, you know, you've ever been on a, on a out there and you're going to pick teams, right? And people say, I want you on my team and I want you on my team and I want you on my team and I want you, you're, you're being elected, right? You're being chosen. That's what the word elected means. You're chosen for something. But predestination means there is a predetermination for something. Something is predetermined, okay? Now, what happens with Calvinists is they, they get election and predestination and they morph them into one thinking they're the same. So if God has already chosen, then that means he has already predetermined who can be saved and who cannot be saved. That is not what he said, right? Again, election and predestination are not the same words, okay? Yes, and again, talking about Israel here, was Israel elected by God? Was Israel chosen by God? Yes. Does that mean that every Jew, every Israelite is saved? No. They are not saved. Now, did God have something predetermined for the Jews? Yes. There was something predetermined for the Jews. What did God predestine for the Jews? No, that's the election. He elected them, right? They're elected. That's the choosing to be his chosen people. What did he predestinate them to do? No. I mean, yes, he's going to have the Messiah come through there, but that's not as a nation as a whole. That's just going to be an individual person there through the lineage of of that. But what were they predestined to do? They're chosen by God as a people, but they're chosen to do something. Uh, They're going to occupy the promised land, but that's not what they're predestined to do. They were predestined to spread the gospel. They were to tell others. They were to be that spokesman for God, right? He says, I'm choosing this people, the nation of Israel, and through them, all nations are going to be blessed. Through them, they're going to be the people that I'm going to use to tell others about the coming Messiah and about the promises of God, right? So there is an election and there is a predestination, okay? Again, don't, don't get those two confused. That's exactly what the Calvinists want you to do. They want you to think they're the one and same. They are not the one and same, okay? They were not predestined to be God's chosen people. They were elected to be God's chosen people. They were predestined to be that spokesman for God, right? But what happened? What's the problem? They chose not to be the spokesman for God. Were they still elected? Yes. Did they follow through with what they were predestined to do? No. You see the difference? There's a big difference here, right? So thinking, yes, they are chosen by God as his people, right? They're predestined to be that spokesman, to be that the, the nation that the world looks to, to see the true God. But they rejected that. They chose to say, hey, we want to be like every other nation, right? We saw that through the book of Hosea, through the book of Amos. 
through the book of Joel. We just want to be like everybody else, right? So watch what he says here. As touching the election, chosen to be that people, right? They are beloved for the Father's sake. So even though they rejected what God wanted them to do, God says they are still his chosen people, right? But what's the first part say? As concerning the gospel, they're enemies for your sake. Why are they? And again, as Paul is writing to the church in Rome, he's writing to believers. He's writing to Gentile believers. There were some Jews that were there. Why is he saying then they are enemies for your sake? Well, that's true. They weren't spreading the gospel. They were opposed to the gospel. What was Paul? Paul was a persecutor of the church, right? Paul was, I mean, this was Judaism. Judaism was Paul. If you want to see what Judaism was, look at the apostle Paul before he got saved. I mean, everything was about who he was, his lineage. He was of the tribe of, Ju- of Benjamin. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He was uh, circumcised the eighth day. He was all this. I mean, this was what Judaism was. And Judaism was against the gospel. Judaism was against the gospel of Christ. Why? Because the gospel is about what? What is the gospel about? I mean, we know it's about Jesus, but the gospel is about grace. Judaism is about what? Works. The law. And this is why the Jews hated the gospel. This is why they hated the church, the believers during this time. And this is why he says, as concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sakes. So they are your enemies, those that are believing the gospel, they're your enemies. But he says, because of who they are, the elect, they're still beloved of the Father's sake. You understand what he's saying here? They're still God's chosen people. And one day, we know that God is going to come back and deal with them again, right? And, and again, we go, this, whole, uh, this, this whole thing of Romans chapter 9 and um, uh, this, this whole idea of um, predestination and election, um, you find here in Romans chapter 9, um, well, go, back, go even back to verse number one. He says, I say the truth in Christ, I lie not, my conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost, that I have a great heaviness and a continual sorrow in my heart. So Paul is just, he's sharing what's on his heart, right? What's on his heart? What is, what is this heaviness? He says, for I could wish that myself were a curse from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. So here is Paul, a saved man, A Jew, he's a saved man, but he says, I could wish myself accursed from Christ for my brethren. Who is the brethren that he's speaking of here? Not the Christians, it's the Jews. Why? Why is he saying he could wish himself to be accursed for his brethren? Because they didn't believe. The Jews would not believe. And Paul knows it. 
And so Paul is saying, I, it, it, he said, this is such a heaviness on me, right? This great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. He says, now again, it's, it's not possible, but he says, for I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen according to the flesh. These were not his brothers and sisters in Christ. These were still the fleshly brethren, the, the Jews, his people who rejected Christ, who would not believe, right? And so he goes on, who are Israelites to whom pertaineth the adoption and the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law and the service of God and the promises who are the fathers and of whom as concerning the flesh, Christ came who is over all God blessed for every man. So he says, look, this nation was given so many things. God chose them to be his people and he gave them promises and he gave them the law and he's done all these things. But notice what he says, verse six, not as though the word of God hath taken none effect for they are not all Israel, which are of Israel. So he's saying there are some who have believed, not many, but there are some who have believed, right? I mean, think about it. Who did Jesus come to first? The Jews, right? If there weren't any Jews that would have believed, it would have been really hard to get to the Gentiles. Who did he use to get to the Gentiles? The Jews. Guess what? um, Peter and Andrew and John and James and Thomas and Bartholomew. Guess, Guess what nationality they all were? They were Jews, right? They were Jews. He came to the Jews first. And so he's using the Jews, those who would believe. Now, again, there weren't many. I mean, on the day of Pentecost, before the Holy Spirit came, there was, what, 120 in the upper room. 120. After three and a half years of ministry. You know what most people would say about Jesus? He's a failure. I mean, after three and a half years, if you're not running 500, there's something wrong with you. Wait a minute. Jesus was here for three and a half years, and when he left, he had 120? Um, but Jesus wasn't a failure. Not at all. In fact, he was using those 120, then they're getting ready to go out and change the world, right? Um, and so this is, this is what he's saying. He says, yes, they, they're not all Israel, which are of Israel, Neither because they are of the seed of Abraham are they all children, but in Isaac shall thy seed be called. So again, he's, he's using this correlation, right? They're not all the seed of Abraham that are the children of Abraham. Why? Well, if you turn back to Romans chapter 4, you would think if everybody's a child of Abraham, they're a child of Abraham. But yet he says... Not every child of Abraham is a child of Abraham. I love how Paul uses this circular reasoning. <laughs> you know, there, when you read much of what Paul says, you can't just read it and just skim through it and think you've got it. You've got to stop and really think about what he's saying here, right? In Romans chapter 4, what does he say? What shall we say then that Abraham, our father, as pertaineth to the flesh, hath found? For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, 
but of debt. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. So those who are, and, and as we go on here and we look in Romans chapter 9, when he says they are uh, neither because they are the seed of Abraham are they all the children of Abraham. What's he meaning? Again, all the Jews are physically the descendants of Abraham, but not all Jews are believers like Abraham was. Abraham was a believer. He put his faith in God, but not all Jews had put their faith in God. You say, well, how could they not put their faith in God? I mean, they, they, were, the children, they were God's chosen, right? Because again, understand, being chosen, being the elect, does not mean you automatically get a free pass to heaven. They were elect for a certain purpose, right? They were the elect of God to be able to share God with other people, right? Hold your place here. And... Give me a second. Go to Ephesians. When you ask questions like this, I have to be able to figure out where I'm going on this, right? So give me one second here. So in Ephesians chapter 1, Paul is writing to the church of Ephesus. Verse number three, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen, okay, there's an important word, chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us, there's another important word, unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. Now again, the Calvinists will come here and say, ah, look, 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 right? Notice what it says. We are chosen. We are chosen. So that means we didn't have a choice on whether to believe or not. In fact, notice what he says. We are chosen before the foundation of the world. That's what it says. I'm not making it up, am I? He says, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. That's what it says right there, black and white. So that means before God created the world, he had already chosen who to be saved and who would not be saved. You're shaking your head no. But isn't that what it says? Is that what it says? No, that's not what it says. Pastor, you just read it. What do you mean that's not what it says? It says right there in verse number four, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. Is that what it says? No. It's not what it says. Why isn't it what it says? Because he keeps going. I stopped, and that's exactly what they will do. They'll stop, and they say, isn't that what it says? Isn't that what it says? Isn't that what it says? No, that's not what it says. Finish the verse. 
finish it. What is the context? He had chosen us in him before the world began. For what purpose? That we should be holy and without blame before him in love. What's he saying? Those who were going to put their faith and trust in Christ, God chose them before the foundation of the world not to be saved, but to be holy, to be blameless before him in love. You see, this is what he's saying. God says, hey, I know there are going to be people who are going to be saved. And by the way, here's another really important word that you can't get, you don't get confused on this. And that is called the foreknowledge of God. The foreknowledge of God. The foreknowledge of God means God knows everything. But do not, do not misinterpret the foreknowledge as predestination. That is not the same, right? Foreknowledge and predestination are not the same thing. Does God know everything? Yes. Does God choose who can be saved and who cannot be saved? No. Does God know who will be saved and who won't be saved? Yes. See, you're catching on. You're catching on. This is good, right? This is good. So watch what he says. And again, that's why never, never just look at one verse or a part of the verse. Always, 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 always look at the what? Context, right? Yes, he says here, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. So again, who's he talking about here? Those that have put their faith in Christ. He's not talking to unbelievers. He's talking to those who have already put their faith in Christ. Those who are going to be saved, God says, I have chosen you for a specific purpose. You are to be holy and you are to be blameless or without blame before him. Now, let's just stop right there. The Israelites were chosen to be God's people and predestinated, they were chosen for a purpose to be God's spokesman. But what happened? Israel said, we don't want to be God's spokesman. There are many Christians who are saved, and God says, hey, I've saved you. You're saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. That's what he says in verse number 7, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. So God says, I've saved you, and I've also chosen you to be something. I've chosen you to be holy. I've chosen you to be without blame. Are we fulfilling what he wants for us? You see, we can get all over Israel for not being what God wanted them to be. But are we being what God wants us to be? He continues in verse number five, having predestinated us under the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. Again, those who are going to put their faith in Christ, they're predestinated to be adopted into the body of Christ. They're they're adopted into the family of God. The adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself. That's what happens when a person puts their faith and trust in Christ. They are brought in. That's that's the, the purpose that God has for us, to be brought into the family of God, and then we are to live a holy and a life before Christ without blame. But it's not that God has chosen you can be saved, you cannot be saved. You can be saved, you cannot be saved. It's not what he says at all, right? So when we come back here to Romans chapter 9, 10, 11, 
And we really don't have time to go through all of this. But think about what he says in verse number uh, 21 of, of, verse, of chapter 10. In verse number 21, he says, But to Israel he, God saith, All day long have I stretched forth my hands unto a disobedient and gainsaying people. God says, even though Israel has rejected him, he still has his hands out for them. His hands are still out. He still wants them to return. And we've seen that all the way through the book of Amos. We've seen it through Hosea. God says, judgment is coming, but if you'll just repent, if you'll just turn back, I'm here. I'm willing to forgive. And even here, as Paul is writing, he's saying, look, all day long, God is saying, I've stretched out my hand. I've, I've waited for you to return. And of course, they would not. If you go down to um, chapter 11, um, look in um, verse number three. Lord, they have killed the prophets. Dig down thine altars, and I am left alone. They seek my life, but what saith the answer of God unto him? I have reserved to myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to the image of Baal. So he's talking about what happened in the Old Testament, how there were many that turned away, but yet not all. There were still some. There was a remnant that still believed in God. Even so then at this present time, he says in verse number five, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. Again, this is, this is by grace. And if by grace, then it is no more of works. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. But if it be of works, then it is no more grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. You can't have grace and works at the same time. It's either by grace or it's by works. The Jew says, we want it by works. God says, okay, then you can't have grace. That's it. You want it by works? Fine. But you're not going to have grace. You want grace? Then don't trust in your works. It's one or the other. Now, we understand that, again, there's, there's no doubt about it. Once a person has put their faith in Christ, we are predestinated to do something. We are to be holy. We are to be without blame before him in love. We are to, uh, as Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 says, for by grace you save through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast, right? But what does he say in verse number 2? We are created in Christ Jesus unto good works, with God had preordained that we should walk in them. This is something God has said, this is what anyone who puts their faith in Christ, I'm predetermining this for them. They need to do good works, not to be saved, but because they are saved. And this is what he's saying here. If by grace, then it is no more of works. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. But if it be of works, then it is no more grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. You can't have it both ways. It's one or the other. And the Jews chose to make it by works. And that's why he says in verse number 28, as concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sakes. They're enemies to the gospel. They're enemies to grace. Why? Because they're about works. And the gospel is about grace. It's not about works. It's about grace. Right? Does that answer your question in a roundabout way? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's absolutely true. Yeah, and there there is a blindness there, right? Um, and just like what Brother Greg was saying, I mean, we we read about you know we read about all these places in the Bible, right? And you can go to Israel and you can see all these things, and uh, and they make money off of it, right? I mean, they're big tourists, you know, they make money off of Bethlehem and uh, Golgotha and all these different places, but yet they cannot see that the Scripture is is right there. They can't see it. Um, I mean, even even as Paul says. Again, what, what does Jesus say when, when they came to him and were questioning? Jesus said, search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. What scriptures was he speaking of? What scriptures is he telling them to search? The Old Testament. There was no New Testament at this time. Jesus is still on the earth. There is no New Testament yet. And yet Jesus says, search the scriptures, search the Old Testament, and you'll find that in the Old Testament it speaks of me, and you can have eternal life. There is no two ways of salvation. There's always been one way. It is by faith. That's why he talks about Abraham, by faith. That's why he says, by grace. It's either by grace or by works. It's not, one, it's not both. It's one or the other. When you have salvation by grace, it will produce the works that God wants us to have. But works can never produce grace. You can't produce grace, right? So, circling back around, some of you think I forgot about it, didn't you? To, to Miss Donna's question, right? Miss Donna, do you want to repeat your question? No? <laughs> oh, it was a statement. That's right. It was a statement. I'm sorry about that. It wasn't a question. So, I think the statement or the question was, if the Jews would have believed, would we be here today? Is that right? I'm sorry? So if the Jews would have believed in Christ, would we be here today? We have, we have about five minutes for this one. Rob? Okay. Anybody else? Michelle? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Anybody else? If the Jews would have accepted Christ as their Messiah, if the nation would have accepted Christ, then would we be here today? Well, I don't think she's saying that the Gentiles wouldn't be saved, but I'm just saying, would it, would it be the way it is today? Ms. Don? 
Okay, would they have just would he have just accepted or set up the kingdom? Anybody else? Ms. Terry? Sure. No, she's not saying that the Gentiles wouldn't have been saved. I don't, I don't think that's what you're saying at all. You're just saying, would, would we be here today as far as the church and all, all that we see today? Miss Janet. Oh. Her, her response was, if the Jews would have accepted Jesus as their Messiah, then who would have pushed for him to be crucified? That's really good, Miss Janet. That's really good. See, I, tell, I love it when you guys teach. That's, that's great. You guys are the best teachers. You want to know my answer? No, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get... <laughs> I'll tell you in two weeks when I get back. <laughs> uh, no, I wouldn't do that to you. Um, would we be here as far as the church and things like that if the Jews would have believed? Here's, here's the problem. It's a little word called if. The Jews didn't believe. We can go back and we can say, well, what if Adam and Eve wouldn't have sinned in the garden? I mean, you can take every scenario and say, well, what if this wouldn't have happened? Now, I will say this, though, regarding this issue. I do believe that when you look at Scripture, because all throughout Scripture, when you think about the prophets prophesying of what's going to happen, even though in the Old Testament... The church age is not seen by the prophets. It was there. The prophets could not see the church age because the prophets were simply prophesying. It's, it's kind of like if you, if you were looking up at a mountain, you can see the majesty and the, you can see the beauty of the mountain, but you can't see all the valleys and everything that are there in that mountain. All you see is just kind of the tops of it, Right? That's how the prophets prophesied. They didn't know every single detail about it, right? The prophets did not understand everything, even about what they prophesied. Even the church was a mystery. It was a mystery until God revealed it. That's what Paul says. The church was a mystery, right? The prophets were able to prophesy, but they couldn't see everything that was there. And so... It's, it's hard to say, well, what if the Jews would have believed? Would the kingdom have come? And would all of this have happened? I mean, it'd be easy to say, yes, that would have happened. The kingdom would have come. He would have set up his kingdom and all this kind of stuff. But again, if they would have done that, again, if they would have done that, then prophecy is not going to be able to be fulfilled. Because there's no church. 
There, there's, there's no church made up of Gentiles that, w- that we find throughout Scripture. And it is prophesied. You find, through, even throughout Daniel and Ezekiel, you'll find times that God speaks of the times of the Gentiles, the times of the Gentiles, right? There, there was something specific that God was going to do, even, the, even though the prophets couldn't understand it all. Again, you have to remember, there is the foreknowledge of God, God looking here before the foundation of the world. Not only does he know every person that is going to believe and every person is going to accept Christ as a Savior, but he knows everything that is going to happen. And so when we look at prophecy and we see God saying this is going to happen, God already knows it's going to take place. And so to fulfill prophecy, you're going to have the Jews not believing because God's, God already knows that's going to happen, right? And so it's, it's, hard to, it's, hard to answer, it's hard to answer what if questions. And, and I'm not saying it's a bad question. I, I think it's a, very, it's a very good question. It's just hard to answer that because everything that is involved in what did happen. And you can't just take, you can't just take a whole puzzle and take a piece out and say the puzzle is complete. Until every piece is there, it's, it's not complete. And so you could say, well, what if this would have happened? Or what if that would have happened? And man, what, what if Eve wouldn't have ate the fruit? Wouldn't that have been a great thing? But she did. And here we are. What if the Jews would have accepted Jesus as their Messiah? That would have been a great thing. But they didn't. And so here we are. Um, and so it, it is, it, it's harder to answer those type of questions because there, there's so much involved in it dealing with prophecy past, prophecy future. I mean, you've got future prophecy that this involves as well. So it's, I, I really don't have an answer for that. Um, just simply because of the fact of all that's involved in it. It's, it's. You, you just you can't even imagine everything that would be involved if we were to say, well, what if they would have believed? Right, Greg? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, very good questions, though. All right. Anybody else really quick? I know the other classes are supposed to be coming over here in a, couple, in a minute or two. Anybody else really quick? Great question. Very good. I had something lined up, and I didn't even get, get to get to it, so we'll save it for another time. All right, very good. Well, let's have a word of prayer. Remember those prayer requests that we mentioned before. Remember our missionaries of the week, the country of the week. All right, let's pray. Father, we do thank you for this day. Lord, we just thank you for the good service this morning. And we thank you for being able to study your word tonight and just, uh, just to, to dig into it. Lord, I do pray that you'd give us wisdom, give us understanding in it. Um, Lord, that you just help us to, to truly just let your word speak for itself. And Lord, thank you that we can trust it, knowing that Uh, You have what's best for us. And uh, Father, we just ask that you just bless in the remainder of our day, even in the business meeting to follow. And uh, Lord, that you just get the glory in everything that is done.
Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, I'm going to go ahead and dismiss.